Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now let's join the service already in progress. Today we're going to dive into the Word together, and we're going to be in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And before we read, I want to kind of set the scene for you. The people of Israel have left Egypt. They've left their bondage. They've left uh, the difficulty of Egypt. And they're on their way to the promised land. And their promise is kind of just around the corner. And so they decide to send some spies to go, you know, do some reconnaissance and then come back and report on what they'd seen. And I find myself already identifying with Israel. And I think we all can identify as a people whose promise is around the corner. If there's anything that you're waiting on, believing for, hoping for, you're a lot like Israel in that your promise is just over there. It's like, it's right there. We've come through so much. Thank God we're not in Egypt anymore. We've come through the wilderness, but we're not quite there yet either. Anyone feeling what I'm feeling there? And so they look around the corner. They look forward and they send these spies and the spies come back with this report. Numbers 13, we'll read from verse 31. The men who'd gone up with them said, we cannot attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. They said, the land we explored devours those who are living in it. And all the people we saw are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, which is a race of giants. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. It's a pretty scary report. If that's what the spies say, that it's that bad. But today I really hope that we're going to get some revelation in the room about how we can look at what God has for us. So the title of this message today is, Look Again. Look Again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, thank you for the fact that when we come together in your house, as we lift up your name, you always breathe life into us. We want to hear heaven today. Let this not just be a sermon that we get through, but let it be an opportunity to hear heaven for people who are struggling with decisions, for people who are dealing with difficulties. Speak directly to us. We're open to what you have to say today. Man, I just really feel right in this moment right here, if you have something that you're going through that you need physical healing, you're facing a challenge. Would you just lift your hand up so we can pray for you? So maybe someone in your family, man, hands are up all over the room. If you're near someone who's got their hand up, just ever so gently, could you lay a hand on their shoulder? It doesn't have to be anything intense. You're just kind of really serving as a point of contact. If you're watching online and you need healing right now, just pray with us. Father, for every person whose hand is up, we hear heaven. You are a God who speaks healing over your people. The book of Psalms says you sent forth your word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Your word heals us. And Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus, we're not confused on where healing comes from. It comes straight from you. And we know you. You are a loving, caring, powerful God. And so... Hearing heaven means hearing healing. And we tune our ears to you. 
I pray for healing over each body and each situation represented here. We believe the report of the Lord. We believe for a miraculous report. And regardless of how it might feel or how it might look, I thank you that our trust is in you and our hope will never disappoint. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Man, I just really, I had to put the brakes there. I just felt the Lord keep saying like, hey, pray, pray. And you know, when you, you say you want to hear heaven, you have to be willing to do what heaven says. So I just encourage you this year as we start to hear more, obey more. The more you hear, the more you should obey. And then the more you'll hear more. So we've got this, this kind of scenario here that we're looking at. But before we dive in, I want to ask, do we have any art lovers in the room? People that are just would love to go to a museum, go to look at paintings and sculptures. You've ever cried looking at a piece of art? <laughs> Someone's like, no, not, not to be real. <laughs> art is kind of a split subject because some people love it. Some people really get it. Have you ever looked at something and thought like, I don't get it? <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> My kid can do that for sure. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's really subjective. But I want to do a little art test today if you guys are cool with it, okay? So I'm about to show you a, a, a video uh, from the streets of Paris. And it's a sculpture. And it's a little abstract, but some people might get it faster than others. So as soon as you think you know what you're looking at, I want you to shout it out. As soon as you see what this sculpture is of, yell it out real quick. So let's check this sculpture. Whoa, super fast. Okay, so here we have this sculpture of this gi giraffe. Y'all dumb. That's not no giraffe. What is it? Elephant. Got it. Okay, so we've got this sculpture of this elephant. Now, I don't know why you guys see elephant, because I clearly see two necks. I see the, the heads. That's giraffes, y'all. That's giraffes, right? <laughs> First of all, if anyone paid me, millions of dollars to try to pull that off. I couldn't do it if my life depended on it. I don't know how you have the vision to pull that off. My sculpture would be like, it's a stick. And if you walk over there, it's a line. <laughs> That's the most that I could pull off. But this is called an anamorphic sculpture and it's a sculpture that changes its appearance based on your perspective. And I think that like when I saw this, it's this whole sermon came to life the minute I saw that video. That life tends to be a little anamorphic. That based on where you're standing, you'll see things differently. Oh, we're not even started yet and you guys are getting it. You see, this street in Paris could be the site of a major fight between two friends. I mean, this could be friendship ending. If I'm here and DeMarlin's standing there, I'm like, bro, look at those giraffes. And he's like, that's an elephant. I'm like, no, bro, clearly it's giraffes. I know what giraffes looks like. And he's like, dog, I'm looking at the tusk. This is Dumbo. It's an elephant. And we could torch our entire friendship because we see things differently based on where we're standing. And in life, so often we make conclusions about who we are, what we're going to do, and how, how things will go based on where we're standing. But perspective is something we never address. We always think we have the right perspective and everyone else is wrong. But what if the answer to the questions you've been having is a change of perspective? Because how we see things affects how we do things. 
And one person would stand at that sculpture and talk about giraffes. Their conversation would turn toward giraffes. They would have a memory about giraffes from when they were a kid. They would think about their nursery, how there was a kid, how there was a giraffe in their nursery, and they'll think of their parents. And their, their emotions start to react to the giraffes. And their conversation reacts to the giraffes. Their body responds to the giraffes. Their, everything about them is responding to what they're seeing. But then someone who has a different perspective would have processed the situation completely differently. And the people of Israel are having an issue of perspective. They're looking around the corner at their promise. And these 10 spies come back with a negative report. You're looking around the corner of 2019, looking at everything this year has for you. And you have a decision about what kind of perspective you're going to take. I want us today to catch a revelation and a perspective that will allow us to tackle 2019. I didn't say embrace 2019. I didn't say welcome 2019. I'm not planning on doing any of those things. I'm planning on tackling this year because we have too much to do, too much to see. Souls that need to be won for the kingdom of God. We have victories to be won, battles to be completed. We have ground to gain in our church, in your personal life, in your family. We're going somewhere this year. So I need a revelation today about how to tackle what's around the corner. And so I think we can gain that, if you'll go with me here, by looking at this story and what happens as a result of the Israelites. So this message called Look Again has one idea. I want you to write it real big if you're taking notes or maybe electronically. This is the, the idea of this message. If you can't see God's promise, change your perspective and look again. If it doesn't look like God, you're going to have to move around a bit until you see the promise of God. If you can't see God's promise... Change your perspective and look again. You might have been staring at giraffes for 20 years, but it's time for you to see the elephant. It's time for you to see what God designed for your life. And just because you haven't seen it for all these years doesn't mean it wasn't there. It just means you were looking at it wrong. It's a matter of perspective. And so when we look at what these spies report, they, they say a lot. They talk for like a whole paragraph. But there's really three ideas I'm going to draw out tonight. Tonight, were we good? It's like a, <laughs> it's such a revival. It feels like nighttime. <laughs> it's for our live stream viewers in China. We love you guys. God bless you. <laughs> so there's three things I want to draw out. And in everything that the spies say, they both offer a fact and a lie. And I think that's how the enemy works in our life. Because if it was all lies, it would be easy to catch, right? Like, bro, everything you're saying is false. But the way the enemy comes in and he's, he gives a little bit of truth and then laces it with deception. And that's how we all fall for it, is that we accept facts laced with lies and then end up living in a world of deception. Be very careful the facts you allow yourself to ingest because facts always have conclusions laced into them. And these spies were reporting facts laced with fear. So be very careful what you ingest, what you allow in. And so the first thing, the first perspective that you can take, there's either the giraffe side or the elephant side. You can either look at what you can't do or what you can do. Every person in this room can focus on one of those two things. You are focusing on one or the other. You're living life looking at what you cannot do or what you can do. Let's look at what the spies say. They say, these people are stronger than us. We can't attack these people. 
So what's true in that sentence? That they're stronger. I think we could all agree these giants who've been living comfortably in this land of milk and honey are probably stronger than the starving, barefoot, half-naked Jews who've been running in the wilderness for 40 years. Like if it's coming down to a tale of the tape, certainly the giants are stronger. So that is fact. But what's not true? We can't attack. Sorry, that, who said you can't attack? You're looking so much at what you can't do, I can't be strong like that, that you are losing sight of the fact that you can attack. It doesn't matter how weak or small that little Israelite feels, he can still pick up a sword and swing it just as good as the next guy. Now, the outcome might seem like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's not even talk about the outcome for a second. second. Let's talk about what you can do. Because we uh, suddenly say, I can't win. We're not talking about winning, we're talking about fighting. So many of us refuse to even attack because we're unsure of the outcome. And yet by not attacking, you are securing the very outcome you're afraid of. Instead of worrying about what you can't do, just take a step and say, I'm gonna do what I can. I'm gonna pick up this sword and I'm gonna swing it. I'm going to fight. Now the victory, that's up to the Lord, but he's already told us what happens, friends. He's waiting for us to try. God's not interested in what you can't do. He's looking to see if you'll do what you can do. He's looking to see if you'll do what you can. And insecurity is born when we focus on our inabilities. If you spend all day looking at the giraffe of your inabilities then you are going to be insecure and never do the things that you can do. Instead, if you would change your perspective and come to the other side and look at what you can do. All right, I know I'm really limited and weak, but here's what I can do. Here's the lessons I have learned. Here's what I do bring to the table. I can't do what I can't do, but I can do what I can do, and I'm going to do it today. That's where confidence comes from, that I don't have to be all of that, but here's what I am. Here's what I can do. We have to have the kind of perspective that lives with that kind of confidence. Don't compare your strength to the strength of your obstacle because you're always going to disqualify yourself right away. The minute you compare yourself to what you're up against, you're going to think you'll lose. But you have no idea what's in you. You have no idea what stepping into that battle will activate in you. God says my grace is sufficient for you. So that means in whatever situation we find ourselves, his grace rises to the occasion. And so often when we're in an easy season, we look ahead at difficulty and we think I'm never gonna make it through that. But we are forecasting today's grace on tomorrow's challenge. If you would just step into tomorrow's challenge, you'll realize that when he says my grace is sufficient, if the need goes up, the grace goes up. That you have to get in the fight to win the fight. And when you step into what you can do, you'll be blown away at what God can do. Because God's asking for you to do what you can do so he can do what you can't do. I believe God begins where we end. But so often we never begin. God's not asking for you to finish the fight. He's asking for you to start it. He's the finisher. He's the closer. He's the one who comes in and ends it. But you're not even starting. So as you look around this corner into 2019... What can you do? What can you do? 
So often we think, well, I'll never be able to accomplish this dream. But what can you do today to start it? Well, I have a dream of this and this. What about today? <laughs> what can we do today? Maybe you're facing insurmountable debt. And it's just like thousands and thousands of dollars. And you keep asking yourself, how are we going to get out of this? That's too big of a question. If you could answer that, you would have done it already. Right? Stop focusing on what you can't do. Make a decision today. Babe, we're cooking at the house, and we're going to have this for leftovers tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and we're going to put that 20 bucks in our pocket. We're not going to Chili's. We're pocketing that $20, and we're going to take $20 off this debt. We're going to take 20 dang dollars off this debt. But you know what? By doing what you can do, you are one step closer to victory rather than hiding in fear and saying, we're never going to do it. Take a step today. Change your perspective and you'll start to see victory because how you see things affects how you do things. And if you look your debt in the face and say, we're never going to get out of it, then guess what? You're never going to get out of it. But if you look at it as an opportunity for you to learn discipline and for God to be glorified and for him to provide for all your needs and for you to one day have a testimony and a legacy to pass on to your kids and for you to have a lesson learned, then every dollar you pocket, you say, I'm, I'm on the way. I'm on the way. And what if it takes me 10 years? It, it took me 10 years to get here. I can wait another 10. I'm, gonna, I'm going to see victory. See, it's all about a matter of perspective. The person looking at the drafts is going to get discouraged. They're like, it's going to be so hard. I don't know if we can do it. And the person standing on this side says, here's what we can do. I don't care what we can't. Here's what we can. Change your perspective. You can attack. Attack those big things, those things that have been in your family. God, man, there's these giants that just... They're just like standing in the corners of our houses, right? Like this family is dysfunctional. This family will always be alcoholic. This family will always be broken. The marriages in this family will always fall apart. Like there's just these giants that pester us and taunt us. And you think I'll never be able to beat them. God's not asking you to beat them. He's asking you to attack them. Go in there. Face it for what it is. Attack it, call it out, and say, hey, this, I'm calling, you, I'm calling you out today in Jesus' name. I don't know how to undo all that has already been done, but here's what I can do today. I, here's what starts with me. I can't fix what dad did wrong and what mom did wrong. I can't fix what has already happened, but here's what starts today. Focus on what you can do. And we so often hold ourselves into an outcome-focused perspective, and that's always going to lead to discouragement. Let's take it to the simplest thing. It's January. We still are talking about health and resolutions, right? You guys still working out or we already stopped that? Which one? I know it's like right at the cusp. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's going to be cold this week. I shouldn't work out till spring. <laughs> true or true, right? You're like, no, I can't work out. So, you know, we think, how am I going to lose 50 pounds? How am I going to get the six pack? I need a six pack. On your stomach, folks. Like, it's, someone got thirsty back there. <laughs> if all you do every day is think, I have to get this six-pack, I have to lose my 50 pounds, you're going to be discouraged because there's no way you'll accomplish that today. An outcome-focused perspective will always lead to discouragement. But an action-focused perspective will always motivate you. So instead of saying, I got to lose 50 pounds, say, I'm working out five times this week. I don't care if the scale goes up. I don't care if the scale goes down. I don't care if the scale goes sideways. 
I'm not concerned with outcome. I'm concerned with what I can do, action. I'm going to wake up every day, and I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do my exercise, and that's it. And that's all I can control, but I'm going to do what I can do. But, friend, here's the thing. When you get motivated to do what you can do, the outcome will follow. There's no way that you can't apply yourself every single day and not see the outcome. But it's all a perspective issue because if you want to see that outcome right away, you're going to get discouraged. And so for this one example, I'll say, too many of us have been looking at an elephant. It's time to be the giraffe again. (laughs) It's time to be the giraffe. There's a giraffe wrapped up in that elephant inside you. (laughs) Get up and do what you need to do to take steps toward the things that God's put in your heart. If you can't see God's promise, change your perspective and look again. Because it's there. So we talked about what you can't do or what you can. Another perspective You can look at, this is hard. (laughs) Everything I'm saying is stated so simply, but this is like deep, profound life stuff. So tell me if this hits you where it hits me. You can look at how it feels or how it is. Y'all, I have wasted so much time and so many tears living based on how it feels. I have come to the conviction that I cannot let how it feels dictate how I behave. I have to live by how it is. Look at what these spies say. They say, the people of that land are all great in size, and the land devours those who live in it. So what's true there? The people are big. We've established negativity just kind of says the same thing over and over with different lies. So they're big, and we, won't, we can't attack them. They're big, and the land devours everyone in it. It's a bit of an exaggeration, right? Certainly, the land is not devouring everyone in it. Yet, the perspective that these men have by looking at these giants generates so much fear in them that they allow the feelings on top of the facts to birth fear in their life. See, it's kind of like this. We're getting close to eating time. So it's kind of like you go to Chipotle and you get a base and then you can pick your toppings, right? I'm hungry. (laughs) So there are always going to be facts, but then you choose what the toppings are. Those people are really big. That's a fact. And the land is devouring everyone in it. You are just topping the facts with fear. You are allowing how it feels to overrun you. Instead of how it is, what, what is the reality of the situation for Israel? That's my promised land. Yeah, there's giants in it. Yeah, it's scary. But we came out of Egypt knowing there was a land with our name on it. That mailbox has my name on it. That land belongs to me. And it feels scary and it feels impossible. But the fact of the matter is that that promise belongs to me. When you get facts in your life that are scary, you have to make a decision on what toppings you're going to add to it. Let's take an example. Your doctor says, well, unfortunately, the test results were inconclusive. Where do we all go instantly? Oh my God, it's worse. It's worse than we thought. It's worse than we thought. It's actually hurting more right now. I'm not trying to make light of health issues. I'm just saying like, we go there, don't we? 
We instantly add the toppings of fear onto the facts. And then we create this whole scenario that it's shutting us down from the inside out when all we had was one fact, the test was inconclusive. Why not be the person of faith and say, well, the test was inconclusive. Thank you, Jesus. An inconclusive test means there's a little more room for my God to show off because I know that he says I'm healed and made whole and soon enough your test will catch up to what I know the truth is. So doctor, let's do another one because the test is going to show I'm healed in Jesus' name. Why do, why? It's just as easy to go down the path of faith as it is the path of fear. Both require a leap of faith. You have to create a world no matter which way you go. You have to create a world of sickness and doom and gloom and death and dying. You have to create that world with this powerful mind God gave you. Or you have to create a world of healing and promise. But both ways are up to you. Make a decision to not let how it feels dictate what you believe about life. Make a decision to change your perspective. And you say, Pastor Justin, that could be setting yourself up for disappointment. I would rather maybe set myself up for disappointment than make a decision to live in disappointment. I would rather live on the hope that maybe God will come through in this situation than to shut out the possibility of it altogether. I'm not scared of disappointment. Disappointed is not the worst thing I could be. Unbelieving is the worst thing I could be. I'd rather be someone who believes big and cries tears of disappointment sometimes because those tears are only refining me. Yeah, there's times where life did not work out the way I thought it would. But it's a perspective issue. Yes, I cried. Yes, it hurt. Yes, there's people who aren't here anymore that I wish were still here. Yes, grief is awful. But if I choose to look at those situations and question the goodness of God, then it all would have been for nothing. Don't look at how it feels. Look at how it is. Make a decision about how you're going to look at life. It's your promised land. It belongs to Israel. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not yours to go claim. It belongs to them, regardless of how many giants are in it. And any ground not claimed by the people of God is surrendered to the enemy. Any ground you won't take, you're handing to the enemy. That promised land, if they would have said, oh, it's too hard, we can't get it, there'd still be giants living in it to this day. The people of God have ownership of the promises of God, but we give up our rights too freely. There is promise in your life. There is promise for your family. Your family has a purpose. And until you as a family decide, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, you are rendering the rights to your home and your family to a giant who would love to kick the door, out, door down and run the show. But nah, not the McNeil family. The McNeils are made to bring hope to people. The McNeils are meant to bring life to people. The McNeils are meant to bring joy to people. So devil, you cannot come in and try to run the show. This family belongs to God. No, sorry, devil, you cannot have the dream God put in my heart. He destined me to lead a business. And until you decide to stand up in courage and go claim your promised land, every dollar of resource that God intended to funnel through you for the purpose of his kingdom is going to be squandered by the enemy. 
That belongs to you. That business is yours. That dream is yours. There are songwriters in here that are too scared to go write the song, and so someone else is putting together the notes and the melodies that were meant to flow from you to the throne of God, and now they're just empty and rapid on the radio for no reason. The giants have to be kicked out because it's not their land. It's your land. It's not the enemy's destiny. It's your destiny. It's not his promise. It's your promise. So it doesn't matter how it feels. That's how it is. It's mine. Someone say that. Say, it's mine. I think this would be a different conversation if we were talking about something that didn't already belong to you. It belongs to you in Jesus. And the enemy becomes like a squatter. You know what that is? Someone who just comes in and like resides in a place that doesn't belong to them. And if you allow a squatter to stay there long enough, they gain legal right to your property. So you know what you have to do? You say, uh-uh, you, you get up and you get out. You can't stay here for one moment because this land belongs to me. So don't look at how it feels. Look at how it is. And if you can't see God's promise, change your perspective and look again. Then there's one final perspective shift that I believe can happen. And this one I really think hits the core. You can choose to see who you look like or who you are. Who you look like or who you are. Listen to what the spies say. To these giants, we seemed like grasshoppers. And we looked the same in our own eyes. It's a sad day when you see you the way they see you. It's a sad day when you adopt your adversary's perspective of you. When they see you as small and you see you as small too. Don't agree with your enemy. Don't agree with the one who has set out to destroy you. When he says you're nothing and you're small, don't agree. This is a fight, my friend. And you can choose to focus on what you look like or you can choose to focus on who you are. And you might be small, you might be limited, you might have gone through some things, but you are not weak. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The same spirit that hovered over the waters and when heaven spoke, earth and sky and universe and galaxies and molecules came into existence. The same spirit that sustained a people in the desert for 40 years. The same spirit that took a man from the cross to the tomb and rose him to life again to spread his name across all of history. The same spirit that sustained a church through the persecution of Rome. The same spirit that today in China is causing the church to thrive even though the government would kill people who proclaim the name of Jesus. The same spirit that is causing the church in Africa that though they starve physically they are nourished spiritually to rise the same spirit that is thriving in a culture like ours where there's no such thing as right and wrong the same spirit that has been pushed down century after century and yet always come back up again that same spirit lives in you as a person so it doesn't matter how intense the oppression gets it doesn't matter how hard the opposition becomes the spirit never stays down which means you'll never stay down it doesn't matter if you look defeated you are victorious because of Jesus you're victorious because of him 
And when we allow others to make the appraisal of our lives, they will always undervalue who we are. I feel like I need a realtor to preach this message. But if I let you appraise me, you will always undervalue who I am because you're looking from the outside in. You're looking at the flaws, the shortcomings. And if I accept the value you place on me, then I am deeply devaluing who I really am. Only God created you and knows what's on the inside of you. Everyone else looking out from the outside in, they're missing one important verse. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. My value comes not from what you see in me. My value comes from what is within me. And it's not your job to see it. Oh, friends, this is going to set someone free. It is not other people's job to recognize the value in you. And too many people have waited so long for someone else to tap on your shoulder and recognize the value in you. And you have run to any relationship who recognizes a little bit of value you and you but guess what you don't deserve a little bit of value you don't want someone who sees a little bit of worth in you you should know the fullness of your worth you're waiting in, a, in church bitter for a leader to recognize your value you're waiting for someone else to see your value it's no one else's job to discover your value it's your job to unearth the treasure in this vessel and to release it so that everyone around you cannot deny it it's not someone else's job to find your value because they will always undervalue you. It's your job to find it, to know what it is in Jesus, and to display it for his glory. You can't wait for other people. You are not who you look like. You are who you are in Jesus. And so when you look in the mirror, do you see God's perspective or do you see the enemy's perspective? I want you to imagine yourself looking in the mirror right now see yourself do you see a grasshopper or a giant slayer you only see one or the other you can open your eyes based on what you see what you see affects what you do and if you see a grasshopper you're gonna live a grasshopper life oh but if you see the giant slayer if you see who God destined you to be, then every day you're going to take sword in hand and you're going to live with the kind of awareness that anyone and anything that gets in the way of God's plan for your life is going to be a casualty because nothing can stop a giant slayer stepping into his or her promised land. The fight is fixed. I've read the end of the book. We win when we start the fight. It affects your perspective. And if you don't see that giant slayer, if you don't see that giant slayer, if you can't see God's promise, then change your perspective and look again. Let's go back to the streets of Paris. Everyone's like, that elephant is so good. That elef elephant is so good. You're like, nah, man, all I see is giraffes. Y'all go to lunch. Y'all go do what you're gonna do. I'm gonna stay right here, and I'm gonna keep walking around until I see what I know is there. Because I can't see it right now. I don't see that dang elephant. I keep seeing the same giraffe from every angle, but I'm gonna keep walking around until I see what I know is there. 
until I see the identity that God planted in my life. Because my dad abused me and broke me and told me I was worthless. And I've spent 30, 40 years walking around looking at the same giraffe. And yet every time I hear God, he says there's an elephant. And I don't see it, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep looking for it. My spouse left me, broke our marriage apart, said I was worthless. And I started to believe it. But God says I'm worth something. I don't see that worth, but I'm going to change my perspective until I see it. I don't have to change what they think about me. I don't have to prove myself to them or prove them wrong. I'm changing my perspective. The diagnosis is really bad. All I see is this giraffe of this sickness. It's going to take my life and I'm afraid and it hurts, but I'm going to keep walking around until my perspective lines up with the truth of God. And when I see it, everything begins to change because the promise of God will lead me to his fullness. If you believe it today, say amen. When you see it, everything changes. The promise has always been there. It's just a matter of you seeing it. And how do I know I got it right? How do I know? Take a seat for just a moment. We'll, we'll, we'll get back on our feet, trust me. How do I know when I got it right? How do I know if I'm seeing the elephant or the giraffe? Because the ultimate discussion here is like, which one's right? You'll know based on what it causes in you. Caleb is one of these spies. These 10 men are all saying this one thing. And then Caleb comes in verse 30 and it says, Caleb silenced the people. He says, shut up. And he said, we should go up and take possession of that land for we can certainly do it. Caleb had a heavenly perspective. Negativity required five verses, a whole paragraph to make their case. But this man doesn't have to state a case because he sees it clearly. And a heavenly perspective will always lead to godly action in your life. You know you're seeing it right when you respond like Caleb. Let's go. Let's do this. We can and we will. You know you've seen it right when your spirit leaps toward what God has for you, even if it's difficult. That's how we know when we're right. We need a 2019 to be filled with Caleb's. City of Life needs to be Caleb. Everything we look at, we say, we've got this. It doesn't, those giants are big, but God is bigger. We need to have that kind of attitude. And that's how you're going to tackle your, your year. And if you don't see God's promise, change your perspective and look again. And when you look again, your heart is going to come alive like Caleb's. This morning, as I was preparing for this message, I was praying about it and I was running really dangerous combo like I'm, like my eyes are closed and I'm just running and I was like God make me a Caleb make me Caleb I want to be the kind of guy who sees things your way when there's 10 voices saying no let mine be the voice that says yes make me Caleb make me Caleb make me Caleb and Jesus spoke so clearly to me I heard heaven and it was so sweet and so profound and he said Justin you don't need to be Caleb Caleb because I've always been Caleb for you Jesus stood up for you when no other voice would stand up for you. The Bible says the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. I can see the scene now. I can see God and the enemy coming before him and saying, Justin does not deserve redemption. I can see him saying your name. They don't deserve salvation. They don't deserve blessing. In fact, God, if you save them, they're gonna make the same mistake again. God, if you save them, they're, they're gonna mess up. They're gonna be an embarrassment to you. 
They're going to be a Christian who has things they're still working through. You can't save them. They fell so far. If you save them, everyone will know about their past, and it's going to be an embarrassment to your name. You certainly can't use Justin. You can't make him a leader. You can't use whatever your name is. You can't use them because of what they've done. They've fallen too far. This negative report of the enemy was constantly there accusing us and disqualifying us from what our life could have been in God. But Jesus stood up like Caleb, and he said, shut up with the report that they can and they won't. I say that we can and we will. Jesus stood for you when no one else would stand for you. That's why he's our savior. That's why he's our king. That's why he's our redeemer because he spoke life where everyone else spoke death. And now how do we respond? How do we live when everyone else is camped over here looking at the giraffes? When everyone sees a person and says, oh, they'll never amount to anything. Jesus is camped over here looking at their potential, looking at their purpose, looking at their promise and you and I have to move away from the negativity and say Jesus even if it's only me and you standing over here seeing the elephant it's enough because you stood for me now I'll stand for them when the situation is dark I will see the light when the situation's broken I will speak wholeness and people are gonna ask you why are you always the only one who says something positive and you can respond because Jesus did it for me now I get to do it for you if you can't see the promise of God then change your perspective and look again church I believe it's time for us to start looking again at our promises look again at the dreams that have died look again at the marriage that was broken look again at the body that's failing look again and see the promise of God if you believe it today give God some praise come on look again Look again. Look again. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, he was that Caleb for you. He said yes when they all said no. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.